Uh, well, we're in the middle of the Advent season, as I said, and Advent means coming. And it's, it's a moment we focus our hearts on the, the story. And I love what you shared, Trish, about that idea of the Christmas story being a moment of risk. And like life kind of gets quite monotonous at times, or certainly at Christmas, we're kind of familiar with it. And I see this idea that the kingdom of God and the story of God is a story of risk where God breaks in. Um, is really exciting and really, uh, I thought that was really on point. And so as we kind of engage with this story, I want you to think about a few different things. And we want to pray before we start with our opening prayer together. So we're going to read this out together. Um, if you have a sheet, you can follow along. Uh, it will be on the back there somewhere if you can read it. And um, we're going to do this together. Um, so Lord, in this Advent season, we consider that you are near to us, not far away as some suppose. Jesus, as you made your home with humanity, come make your home in our hearts today by your spirit. Amen. Amen. And we're in John's gospel, John chapter one, and it's kind of been our, uh, our retelling of the story and we've been focusing in on that over the, the last couple of weeks and we will continue on that. And I've got a couple of questions to get you thinking a little bit about how do we take what we're going to look at this morning and actually apply it to our lives? How do we begin to consider it? And the first question is this, as you and I prepare for Christmas, in what ways can we invite the light of Jesus into the areas of our lives affected by darkness? So we're going to look at light this morning. Last week we looked at life and bread. This morning we're going to look at light. So as you prepare for Christmas, as you kind of engage that, however wonderful or challenging that time is, how do you invite Jesus, the light who came into the world, into the areas that you would consider affected by darkness? And then the second question is, as lights, so Jesus talks about us being light to the world, lights to the world. As lights in the world, in what ways is Jesus inviting you and I to shine, drawing people to the true light? So the first one is about how can we invite Jesus to light into the darkness. And the second is about you. How is a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself a follower of him, as a light onto the world? How can you shine or light in such a way that you draw people towards Jesus, the true light who came into the world? So I think about those as we kind of unpack the scriptures. Brilliant. Well, we're in John chapter one, as I said, and we're also going to read a little bit of Corinthians, and it should be in your sheet if you want to follow along. We're also on the the, the beautiful screen behind me is really clear. <laughs> or you can just listen uh, or follow along on your phone if you have a Bible. Uh, but let's read John together. John is just this beautiful, poetic retelling of the, the story. And uh, there's so much in it in terms of layers and literary devices that he uses and poetry and references back. And I won't be able to unpack all of those this morning with you, but I just want to let it sink in the, a little bit for a moment. And last week we looked at this idea that, that Jesus was the bread that came into the world, life. And one of the ways in which we experience the life of God, um, which is maybe a strange thing to say, but it's through the words of God. So the literal words of God written in the scripture, spoken to us, bring literal life, the life of Jesus to us. And that might be a strange idea for us, but as I read this, as we unpack it together, I wanted that to be impactful for you. I'm anticipating that to be true. And I have two questions that I want to ask you as we read the scriptures. Is take a moment to reflect on what's standing out to you from the text. So as we read it together, as I read it, sorry, to, to, to you, um, as you follow along, just take a moment to consider like what's, what's standing out to you. 
like what phrase, what word, what thing is, is affecting you. And then are there any words or phrases that seem new to you that you've never heard before um, where the Spirit is maybe highlighting or giving emphasis? So pay attention as we read it, if that's okay. So John chapter 1 says, In him, this is talking about Jesus, in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome the light. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came to be a witness about the light. He was a witness so that all people might believe. John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The word was, the word was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world did not recognize him. I'm going to read that again just one more time and again. Just pay attention to what stands out for you. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome the light. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came to be a witness about the light. He was a witness so that all people might believe. John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The word was in the world and the world was made through him, but the world did not recognize him. Let's do a little bit of interaction then. What phrases, words are standing out to you, maybe afresh this morning or maybe you haven't noticed them before? Shout them out. You thought you were just going to relax this morning, but... The light keeps shining in the darkness. The light keeps shining in the darkness. Love it. What else? Witnessing light. Witnessing light, yeah. John was a witness to the light, yeah. What else? John predicted the light of the world. Yeah. He foretold the light. What else? True light. True light. Yeah, that phrase, true light. The true light that was coming into the world. Couple more. In him was life. That means he has it all. Yeah, in him was life. That's where we landed last week, wasn't it? The life of the world. Yeah, the bread of life. The darkness has not overcome it. Yeah, darkness has not overcome the light. Light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and we looked at that last week that the, meat, the world was made through him. Nothing that was made had not, was not made without him. And so it's coming back to that phrase. Yes, the world was made by him, but he was also entered into the world, and yet the world did not recognize him. Yeah, beautiful. Any more? The world did not recognize him. The world did not recognize him. Yeah. Which is baffling in many ways, and yet. Not uncommon across all the ages. Brilliant. And I'm going to read one more scripture together and then I'm going to just unpack a few things with this. And this is from Paul's letter. Paul, super church planner Paul, we used to call him. I haven't called him that for a while. He planted a ton of churches and one of them was in Corinth and um, he wrote a, three letters, I think. We have two copies of letters that he wrote. And this is the first letter that he wrote in, uh, to, the, to the church in Corinth and he wrote, writes a ton of stuff. But this is one thing that he says. 
um, in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, he says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Now he's referencing Genesis, if you want to read it, where God spoke light into being. So he said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's a really dense sentence, isn't it? Paul doesn't say things by halves. He really goes for the density. Um, We'll unpack that together, but let me read it one more time for you. And again, just pay attention to what's standing out for you. For God, he said, let light shine out of darkness has made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. A couple of responses then, and you'll see them in your book. And I'm just going to walk through these together. The first one is this idea that in order to encounter the light, the true light, as Abby said, we need to respond with seeing and believing. That God's desire is that light is for everyone and that no one remains in darkness. That that is why the light has come into the world, but not everybody recognizes the world, the, the light that comes into the world. And darkness is like this theme that is right across the story. I talked about the story of the scripture that we want to engage with. It's, 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 it's right from the beginning in Genesis, right the way through. It's, it's symbolic in the story of disorder, of chaos and distortion. And you know, probably, if you don't, at the very beginning of the story in Genesis, which is a retelling of the narrative of creation through poetic language, John is mirroring this in his gospel. So he's referencing back the very poet, poet uh, and poem that started the, the creation story off. And let me just read a bit of it for you. It says in Genesis uh, 1, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Just paint the picture for a moment. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The very opening of the whole story that we read in the scripture, the retelling of it, is it begins with darkness, chaotic waters, which were symbolic of chaos, disorder, dysfunction. There's no form. There's emptiness. And into that moment, the Spirit of God is brooding over the chaotic waters and God speaks and he says, let there be light and there was light. So it's quite a profound moment. And John picks up on this in his gospel. Like everybody who was reading his gospel would have probably had understanding of the Genesis story. They would have memorized it as kids. And so they knew what he was talking about. And he retells it in this way. He says, all things were made through Jesus, through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So he's saying, look, Jesus was there at the very creation moment where this thing happened, where it was formless and void and dark. And there was chaotic waters. Then he says this, in him was life and the life was the light of man. So he's referencing this moment, chaotic waters, darkness, light. And John says, he was there in the beginning and he is light. And then he references, just in case you missed it, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So you got this moment at the very beginning of the story that's retold in the poem in Genesis Darkness, chaos, disorder without form. And God speaks and light shines in the darkness. And then you got John who's retelling the moment of Advent where Jesus comes into the world. And what is he saying? He's saying, well, we are still experiencing that 
because of the brokenness of our world. It is dark, chaotic, formless, void. There are areas of emptiness and despair. There is political instability. There is economic oppression and injustice. There is ill health. There is loss. There is grief. There is darkness in relationships. There's darkness in addiction. There's all, all sorts of things that look like chaotic waters, like this story at the very beginning. And into that moment, Jesus shines as the light of the world. Light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. It's a really profound statement that John's making. Just consider that for a moment. <coughs> not just this moment that John's recording, but like, let's translate it into this moment, because that's what we're trying to do with the scripture. We're trying to understand what is the writer trying to say, and then we're trying to ask the question, what does that mean for me now in this moment in our culture, in our time? And so let's use that picture of darkness and light for a minute and just consider it for you. Like what are the areas in your life where you would maybe consider it's chaotic, disordered, dark, formless, empty? Maybe there are things internally in your life that you're struggling with. Maybe you're wrestling with mental health issues. Maybe there are relational things that are causing you pain and dysfunction and disorder. Um, maybe they're not things that you're experiencing, maybe there are things in your workplace, maybe there are things in your school, maybe you're affected by the things you're reading on the news, whether it's famine and war and disorder and chaos and it's affecting you, maybe that's just your experience. What is that for you? Just take a moment to think about that. And then maybe this is a new idea for you, but what would it look like for what John says to happen? If Jesus is the true light that comes into the world, what would it look like for him to shine into those dark things? What would that feel like? And I love in this whole text that John is really clear that this isn't just for a selected few, that, that this is for everyone. That, that the idea that Jesus came into the world is not for a few, it's that all would experience his light, that none would walk in darkness that everyone would have the light of life. John writes a little bit later on. He says, I, talking of Jesus, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So if this light is for everyone, how do we experience it in areas of darkness in our own lives or in the lives of those around us? Well, first thing that John gives us a clue about is that we experience it through believing in him. It's got to do with belief or that word trust or that word faith. When we think about belief in our ways of understanding the world, often we just think of things that we believe like tick box exercises. So things that we mentally assent to. I believe this is true or I have an opinion about that. But belief in the scripture story is not uh, just simply an idea that we think about or say that we believe in. Belief is actually something that our whole lives orientate around. It's a thing that we hold to and trust in so much so that it actually affects every, every area and part of our existence. And so for someone to believe in Jesus, not yet, yeah, I believe in Jesus, he's real, he's, he's there. It's actually, I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. I believe he's the light of the world that comes into the darkness so much so that I'm gonna orientate my whole life and thinking and being and operating around him. That's what believing means. And John, John says this. He says, I, whoever follows me will not walk 
in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying, look, I am the light of the world. All who believe in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he gives this clue, but believing me is akin to following me. It's like he said to the disciples, you know, come follow me. And they leave everything and they go and they orientate their lives around life with him. To believe is to follow. To trust is to allow it to affect every area of our lives. Faith in our lives is always movement. It's never just an idea that we take. And unfortunately, that's often why the church or the people of God have been so off-center in the world is because they have all these doctrines that they take and they say they believe, but actually their lives are not orientated around those things. They say, Jesus is the light of the world, I follow him, and yet their lives are in darkness and chaotic because their lives are not being orientated around him. Where do you need that fresh for you today? Where do you need to trust that Jesus is the light of the world and to believe in him afresh? What are those areas where you need to believe him? And verse three says in that, uh, uh, John's gospel there, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome the light. So the first thing is about trust. And the second thing is that trust allows us to see clearly. So we're talking about seeing and believing here. That word overcome can be translated lots of different ways. It, it literally means to lay hold of or to seize tightly as if you were like arresting someone. You know, I'm grabbing you, I'm going to put cuffs on you, whatever. That's the kind of impression of the word to overcome or to overtake. But it can also mean to perceive or to comprehend something. And so sometimes when you read it in the Bible, you might have it as overcome or you might have actually some of your translations will say and they did not understand it or they did not, it was not understood. The darkness did not understand it. Um, and it doesn't really matter which way you, you, you translate it. It kind of has the same essence. But I like for a moment just to think about that idea that, that Jesus came into the world and his people did not recognize him. A little bit later in that passage, it says that he came into the world and the world did not recognize him. And so if light comes into the world, sometimes the darkness does not perceive it. Doesn't overcome the darkness. Um, sorry, light is not overcome by the darkness, but sometimes the darkness does not perceive it. What I'm trying to get at here in a roundabout way is light is sometimes veiled. Do you know what I mean when I say veiled? It's masked, it's hidden. Now we were traveling to sport yesterday morning and I don't know about you, but there was, it was ice cold <laughs> and there was a fog that was coming in from the river and uh, Mike and I were having a debate about whether you could see the moon or the sun behind the clouds because you couldn't really see it and I was like no it's definitely the sun because the moon can't shine through the clouds and he was like telling me all this clever stuff that maybe it was the moon so I don't actually know which it was but either way we couldn't really see it like it was there and it was clear and it was penetrating and it was even heating not very much but it was heating the world and yet it was hidden in some way. We could not see it or perceive it. And so just because Jesus is, we believe, the true light, if you believe the text here this morning, doesn't mean that everybody perceives that. It requires us to see and believe. Uh, Jesus is having this moment with a quite intelligent religious leader who's prominent in 
the, the governing body of um, the time, the religious governing body, a guy called Nicodemus. And he's a learned man, he's well respected. He is the leader of the religious people at the time. And yet he's intrigued by what Jesus is saying. And he's also afraid of his colleagues because he's a learned man and they don't really like this guy Jesus because he's saying lots of stuff that's rocking the boat. And so Nicodemus agrees to meet Jesus because he wants to find out more, but he chooses to meet him at night because he doesn't want anybody else to find out that he's hanging out with Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he begins to talk to him. And you can read this whole interaction in John chapter three. But I want you to imagine for a moment, use your imagination a little bit. Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus at night. It's in the dark. <laughs> they maybe have a couple of candles like this, but it is dark, it is hidden. And he's asking lots of questions and, and Jesus is, is being fascinating. But one of the things Jesus says, is he starts to talk about light and darkness. And I, I don't think he's missing the point that they are in darkness and that he has come to Nicodemus at night. And one of the things that Jesus says in the dark, probably by candlelight, is this. He says, and this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Ouch. Like you imagine Nicodemus sitting there in the dark, choosing to meet Jesus in the dark, hiding behind the dark, and Jesus just lays this down. And maybe it wasn't about him, but it's a harsh and challenging statement. The light has come into the world. I am the light of the world. But this is the verdict. Not everybody wants the light. Because sometimes it's safer to be in the dark. Paul, when he's writing um, to the Corinthians, that passage that we read earlier on, he, let me just read you a little bit before that. He's talking about the word of God and, and Jesus coming into the world. And he talks about how the God of this world is a, is, is a phrase that he uses for Satan or the devil. He says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the good news of the glory of Christ. So he's talking about the wonder of who Jesus is and who Christ is. And he uses this phrase, good news. Glory is just a word to me, all of who God is. He says, to keep them from seeing the light of the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Then he goes on, he says, for we proclaim it not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and we as servants for Jesus' sake. And then he uses this statement that I read earlier. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let me try and unpack this for a moment with you. What's the heart of it? The true light has come into the world. The darkness has not overcome it, but also the darkness has not understood it. In order to receive that light into our lives and walk in that light, we need to respond with trust. And it needs to come out of the dark. And about a year ago, actually probably a year and a half ago now, and I was chatting about this with someone this week, which reminded me of it. We were praying and I had, sometimes this happens, we talk about it a lot in, in our community where God maybe uses our imagination to reveal something or show us something. And I, I had what I would call a vision or a picture while we were praying and it was quite a, a vivid one. 
And uh, we were praying on prayer Zoom at the time, and it was deeply impactful. And I drew the picture. I, I like to draw things uh, afterwards. And I, I'll try, I didn't put a picture of it, but I'll maybe uh, show you one next week. And But the picture, if you can walk with me through my words for a minute and try and paint it in your own mind, was of an old Irish-style cottage. And in the picture, in the vision or image, um, there was like a pantry area uh, down in the basement where you would have a table and like you would imagine that that was the place where everybody visited and came and like hung out and food was cooked and it was just a great hangout space for everybody. And, um, and yet in the vision, it was... Uh, abandoned. It was like an old style cottage where no one was there anymore. It was dusty. There was cobwebs everywhere. And I could sense that this was a place where there was the hustle and bustle of life, but it was no longer there. And in the vision, I knew there was a picture on the wall of Jesus. I think probably a Sacred Heart picture. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but in the picture, the face of Jesus was, was, was blurted out. You couldn't see it. And, and then there was another strange thing in the vision. And, I, and again, and this might seem a little bit weird, but I'll, I'll explain it to you. There were these wings that were flashing back and forward across the picture. Um, and in the vision, as we were praying, I began to weep or feel deeply this grief that I felt God felt at the time that there was something beautiful happening there that had been lost. And the thing that came to me was that they cannot see the glory or the wonder of God in the face of Christ. And I went back to the scripture which I read to you, um, which says, let light shine out of the darkness, shine in our hearts that it might give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In other words, that people might discover the reality of who God is through the person of Jesus. That in seeing Jesus for who he is, is the true light who comes into the world, they might discover what God is actually like. And I was deeply aware that in our traditions, the many of the traditions that we have, many people know lots of ideas about God, lots of things that are true maybe about him, different um, practices that we have even to engage with the story. But there are many of us or many people who don't actually know what God is like and through, for whom the reality of Christ is veiled. Like you cannot see him. And I felt like it was really important that we pray that God would begin to let light shine in those places and that there would be people that would go to make him know. More about that another day, but what I'm trying to do is I thought that picture actually helped explain what I'm trying to get at. The true light has come into the world and Jesus' heart is that all would, would believe, that all would know him so that no one would have to walk in darkness. But the reality is that not all people understand it. Not everyone receives the light. Not everybody wants to step out of the darkness. Not everybody can see it. And so our job is to do what John did, which is to be witnesses to the light, so that we might invite people towards the true light that is Christ. So let me just really... Quickly, because I've spent a lot longer on that than I planned to. Um, let me look at response two and three together in a couple of minutes. And um, the second response is unpacking a little bit of what does it mean to step into the light. Um, and I'm going to leave that for another day. And so I want to move to response three, which is that we are called as people who have come to know the true light 
Jesus who has shone into the world. And many of us have our own stories of being in chaotic waters, of feeling like we were in a moment of darkness, of feeling like our lives were out of place and out of sync, desperate, some of us. And God in that moment broke in and shone into that darkness with his light. And Jesus came alive to us. That fog and that hiddenness was removed and we saw Jesus for who he was. And it opened up this journey in our lives that I wanna, I wanna choose the rest of my life to figure out and discover what he's like. And that's been our story. Most of us have had that experience, multiple experiences, and we, we still have that journey of like, of discovering more and more of Jesus and wanting to respond to him. And that's kind of what our lives are about. And all that goes on around us, the deepest thing that drives us is a desire to know Jesus and to make him known. Like, why else would you come to church in a freezing cold morning when you're going to fall on the ice? Like, it's not... I hope it's a little bit fun. <laughs> Maybe we could do a lot more fun than we do. I appreciate that. I'm not the best at fun. I'm working on it. But, but it is a bite. That's, that's what drives us. Like, What else brings this motley crew together, all of us from different backgrounds and different places? It's this deep desire to know Jesus who has somehow messed up our life in a really good way. And like we don't understand it all, but something has been removed of that feeling. And, and if that doesn't compel you to, like John, be a witness to the light, may I suggest that somehow you've missed it and I don't mean that in a condemning sort of a way, but you know what? I've discovered that when I am slow to be a witness to the light, mostly in my life, I can track it to that I've lost sense of what Christ is like and of his impact in my life. And no longer is it dynamic and risk-taking and life-giving and all-consuming. And yet when it is, like it's hard to hold that thing in. Like you can't, can't help but be a witness to the light. One of the ways that, that Jesus does this, and I'm going to close with this, and then we'll do our, our closing questions and response. One of the ways in which he does this is quite uncomfortable. Light is very exposing, isn't it? Like, have you ever had someone switch the main light on, the big light on, when you're, you're still asleep? Anybody had that? No? What happens? Ah, turn it off, turn it off. What are you doing? What are you doing? No. <laughs> Don't put the big light on. Like I, it's, so, it's so insensitive of you. No, nobody have that experience. It's just in our house yet. <laughs> There's something about light when we're in the dark that is exposing. It's uncomfortable. And in religious settings, what we've done is we've made that uh, really unhelpful. We've created a morality that creates this external look of wonder but actually you're not supposed to come into the light because that's shameful and if you talk about the things that are going on then that's shameful so we we keep people out because their lives aren't together and that's what religious practices do it's not the good news of jesus the good news of jesus is come into the light even if that's exposing even if your mess is laid bare for all to see because in the light you are transformed in the light, the stuff that's broken in your life gets reorientated. In the light, the sin and the mess and the addiction and the brokenness, which we all have in different ways, 
gets reoriented and transformed. Things that stay in the dark continue to cause damage. Things that come into the light become a source of light for others. And there's a scripture that Jesus says where he says, if all areas of your life are flooded with my light, then you will be a source of light to others. I've paraphrased that. But it's this idea that we often in religious circles think, don't talk about how my life is not together because that's when I'm out, I'm out of sync. I'm not, I, sh- I should be strong and I should be a good Christian and all these different rubbish phrases that are really unhelpful. But actually when stuff is going on in our life, Jesus, I come into the light. Talk about it. That's what confession is about. Confession is not just about absolution. It's about transformation. It's about confessing stuff in your life that is not in keeping with Christ's way with one another. Why? So that you might be healed. So that your life might be transformed. So that you might get grace to change that thing in your life. And if you do, then you become a source of light. That thing becomes a source of light to those around you. What is that for you? What are the areas in your life that you need to bring into the light? Who are the trusted friends that you need to talk to? Where is the act of confession for you with a spouse, with a friend, with somebody that just says, look, I'm struggling with this uh, and I I need you to pray. And if you don't have that practice, can I encourage you to have that somewhere? Um, I have that. Like they're funny, believe it or not, there's stuff in my life that is not all together like you. And if we don't have a practice of coming into the light and saying, I need help with this, then that's where stuff gets pushed under and it grows and it becomes really destructive. And so part of being a witness to the light is stepping into the light so that we might have lives that shine to those around us. So much more to say, but let's do our closing questions together. Um, So a couple of ways that we can respond to this. As you are reminded of Jesus, the true light in the world, Where is he shining his light into your life right now? And how might you respond? And then second question, as we live in this world, in ways, in what ways might our lives reflect the glory of God through Christ's image that is being formed in us? In other words, how can we be a witness to the light? I wanted to take those home, have me think about them, chat over coffee with others. And here's the heart of what I'm trying to say this morning, the key principle. Light is characteristic of God and his kingdom. As we let Christ's light shine into every area of our being, we become a powerful reflection of his light to the world. And then let's say our closing prayer together, and then I'll give you a couple of ways that you can respond. Um, Light of the world, in the places of darkness, Come and shine. Remove the deception of darkness to fully reveal your wonderful glory that all humanity might see and know your glory. Amen. We've got a couple of ways that we can respond to some of the stuff that we shared this morning, um, uh, practically or with your heart. Um, Maybe it's about just an adjustment of your perspective this morning. Uh, all it is is reminding yourself that, that the darkness that you're experiencing is not as huge and um, overpowering as you think and that light always overcomes the darkness. 
And maybe it's just a reminder of the, of the wonder of Jesus, the true light, and that he is the one who shines in the world and that darkness has not been overcome by the light. Maybe part of your response is actually that step of courage into the light, that you know that actually, you know what, my life is not walking in the way of Jesus in the way I want it to. And there are things in my life that I know he's putting his finger on, but I've just been avoiding. And maybe it is about courageously stepping into the light and inviting Jesus to deal with that stuff in your life. And maybe it's about a step further than that. It's about confession for you. And maybe it's about honestly journeying the areas that God is bringing to light with trusted friends and just talking about some of the stuff that you need help with. Or maybe it's about what it looks like for you to be a light to the world around you. And maybe it's about asking God for courage and wisdom to shine brightly in a dark and confused world. And that we need wisdom and courage for that. So I'm gonna pray and just leave a couple of minutes of quiet for you. And if you have one of those sheets, you can just take a moment to think, what does that response look like for me? And then I'm gonna close for us. So let me pray. And then I'm just going to give you two minutes, and this is your time. You can close your eyes, you can open your hands, you can do whatever you want to do, but just um, use this moment. I know life is chaotic, and I know many of you have really disciplined lives where you have lots of moments with God, but, but for those of us that find that really tricky, this is a moment that you don't get back. So use it. It's two, two minutes, three minutes. You're not going anywhere, most of you. So just use it and invite it to open up a conversation with God. So Lord, I, I thank you for sending your light into the world. And boy, do we need it. Lord, I pray for us that you would shine into the areas in our own lives and into the things that around us feel dark, chaotic, and disordered. Will you shine brightly like you did in the very beginning like you did through your son Jesus and like you continue to do through your spirit and as you shine into our lives may we become a reflection increasingly of your light to the world welcome you to come and do this in this quiet moment by your spirit